0: Montana, New York, and I'm your host here at Cambridge House, and I'm joined today by the one and only Willem Biddlekop, the founder of the Commodity Discovery Fund. Willem, thank you for being here.
1: So nice to be on the show, back on the show again.
0: It's great to have you back. Yeah. Uh, Willem, I would love to start off with just an overview into the Commodity Discovery Fund.
1: Um, yeah, I started the Commodity Discovery Fund in 2008. So I was a private investor in this space since 2002, 2003. And almost by accident, I discovered that when you invest, when you concentrate on the smaller companies being responsible for the larger discoveries, it, it gives an extra return. So they, they do better than if you just start investing in majors like Newmont or Barrick. So then I, I started to tweak my portfolio. It was in 2004, 2005. And I even started a newsletter, which was called Middle Cope in which I alerted investors worldwide on best discovery holes or great drill holes. And then somebody said, you're stupid, you know, you sell your best uh, tips for $99, you should build a fund around it. And that's how it all started. And we started with only 3 million in 2008, just some friends and family uh, money. And now we are over 200 million and we have almost 2,000 high net worth investors uh, from, from from everywhere.
0: Great, um, that being said, I would love to jump into what's catching your eye in the market right, market right now and talk about commodities a little bit.
1: Yeah, of course, uh, we, had, we had a severe downturn uh, after 2011. It almost took uh, a decade because if you look at the chart, March 2020 actually was the low also in our fund. That was the crash, the Corona crash, the COVID crash. And since then, We went from a very difficult market to almost the perfect storm hours. You have the debasement of currency. You have very high inflation. You have the shortages of commodities. You have geopolitical tension. And that's why investments in precious metals and other commodities are are, are so popular right now. And we see that in our fund. We have huge inflow. Uh, Last year, we had 50 million euros. So that's, let's say, 70 million uh, Canadian. This year, we're on track to to reach the same amount. And there's a real change of sentiment uh, among high net worth investors. They really want to have exposure now towards commodities.
0: Great. Um, And then I did see a tweet recently where you um, said that Bitcoin is going to be the currency that eats up all other currencies. And I would love to touch on that a little bit
1: yeah you always have this fight among the gold <laughs> bucks and the crypto crowd. but you know we, we should be brothers, uh, gold and, and and Bitcoin actually are brothers. And I, um, I'm the an author of a few books and in the Dutch uh, edition of the big reset, I wrote that one in 2013. Uh, I called uh, Bitcoin the Digital Gold. Uh, I, I was stupid enough not to act on it because I, I had enough gold and silver in my portfolio myself, so I didn't buy it. But I, I, I recognize that the, the the way Bitcoin is uh, is structured, it makes it like digital gold because you have only 21 million units which, which can be mined, and that makes it very special, and that makes it very rare. And more and more investors worldwide recognize this special. Uh, well, special fact for Bitcoin. And, and you, should have, you should have it in your portfolio both. So you should have the precious metals, and you should have Bitcoin, and you should have real estate and some stocks, some equity, and then you'll do very well in this environment.
0: Great. Um and then I would also love to touch on another tweet that you had about Elon Musk and how he lured um, the voting class into basically voting against free speech and just see what's there for you.
1: Well, Elon Musk of course he likes to uh to touch on this specific and sensitive topics and we all we all are aware that we've seen a huge amount of uh um, well, at the end of free speech, one could say, in the last few years, uh, there's real censorship among big, big tech. Uh, if you look at sp- specific topics like COVID or other sensitive topics, there's real censorship. And I think many people are fed up with this big tech censorship. Uh, Elon Musk is one of them. So by by um, uh, actually saying that he wants to be a board member of Twitter by buying the stock, uh, he owns almost 10%, he really tries to take control. He wants to take back to the community community and restore free speech and it, it of course it's if, if you think about it Donald Trump whether you like him or not he's just banned from twitter you know how, how can this be possible in a in the land of the free
0: mm-hmm. Right. And then do you think uh, Elon getting these shares, do you think that's a step towards free speech on Twitter or what other action do you think it's going to have?
1: Well, at least there's a discussion now. And I think that's great by having Elon uh, (laughs) uh, taking action. And I think um, uh, he he wasn't accepted as a board member. And I I understand why, because if you have a guy like him as a board (laughs) member, he will take over the board and he he should be chairman and kick everybody out. So I think that's a bit that's a step too far. Um, But uh, but it's it's a huge sign. And it's, it's a very clear message to the world that we have to stop the censorship. Right.
0: And then I'd love to segue into geopolitics and see what's there for you, what predictions you have or what you're seeing, what impacts you're seeing.
1: As I said, I'm the author of The Big Reset. The Big Reset, uh, the undertitle title was The War on Gold and the Financial Endgame. It has been my opinion that after the Lehman crisis, after the Great Financial Crisis of 2008, we're in the endgame of the current U.S. dollar system. The current U.S. dollar system, of course, was started in 1944 in Bretton Woods. And um, actually, I wrote on the back cover of the uh, the Big Reset that around 2020, uh, large changes would be needed to an international financial system. And we, we would need to find a new anchor. And we would also need to have a new Bretton Woods Conference to, to discuss these topics among world's leading uh, trade, trade partners. And what we see now, what we witness now, and I think the war in the Ukraine, is also um uh, pointing to this that uh people are fed up with the the way the us is treating uh, other well major trading partners so it's very it's a very um it's a very um sure sign that even the saudis are actually joining uh, Russia now uh, joining China now. They're not. Um, they're not helping the West with sanctions. So we have the sanctions now against Russia. But if you study it, the sanctions are always only installed by uh, countries from the West if you um if you make a calculation that's only around 1.5 billion people and all the other countries you know in latin america middle america and africa and asia that's 6 billion people they don't have sanctions so there's a very strong war one could say a larger war a geopolitical war between the west And the rest of the world and the rest of the world is fed up with the U.S. dollar system and the way the U.S. is is treating and using the dollar as a weapon. And and I think that's a very uh, serious concern. And and, and that's why we need changes uh, coming to to the world's financial system.
0: And then what do you think those changes are going to be, Willem?
1: Well, there was a very interesting uh, piece of research written by uh, one of the uh, more senior people of um, Credit Suisse, uh, the, the Swiss bank, and um, he wrote these were three articles, all written uh, after the start of the Ukraine war. And actually, he has been calling for the start of Bretton Woods 3.0, as he calls it, and he's he's it's his uh, analysis that we have really entered a new phase for world's monetary system in which we uh, see a move away from the dollar and there will be more and more support for the Asian um, well the Asian axis in which more and more countries um, besides, uh, the West um, will start to use gold and commodities as, as some kind Uh, of backing of a new financial system. And the recent moves, which we've seen coming from Russia, in which Russia tells the world, you can have our oil, you can have our gas, but then you have to pay in the currency we, we, we demand. You can pay with gold, you can even pay with Bitcoin, but we won't accept your euros, we won't accept your dollars. And that's a very clear sign. And it's not only Russia, but also China is supporting a move like this. And it's very it's 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 very interesting to see what the Saudis are doing because the Saudis are supporting and are are um, are of course backing the the petrodollar deal, which was originated in the 1970s. And if the Saudis choose uh, to sell their oil for other currencies uh, than the dollar, then we have a real change within this monetary system.
0: Um, And then we touched on commodities and gold a little bit. I'd love to hear what other impact you think that this is going to have on our markets.
1: Yeah, I think we see huge changes now, not only because um, many sovereign countries are fleeing more towards gold now for the national reserves because they are also Um, well, scared by um, the dollar being used as a weapon. They're also scared by the US actions and the actions from the West in which the financial reserves of Russia were almost confiscated. So I think you'll see a move away from paper assets into hard assets. Uh, But the crisis in Ukraine and Ukrainian war have also um, pointed to the scarcity of many commodities so we have a shortage coming in many of the metal markets uh, look at what happens to palladium look at what, what at the short squeeze we've seen with nickel so more and more uh, investors will learn that there's a real, um there's there's a real um, there, there's a real question about the security of supplies and this will really help commodity investors because commodity investors, have been um, ignoring all these facts for for quite some time and especially the general investors if you look at the general investment funds they have of, often they have less than 1% of half of percent of their capital invested in commodities i think that percentage will rise now so the move towards commodities will will become much much stronger
0: great um and then do you, are you comfortable telling us what percentage you see that rising to
1: well there was another study uh, by one of the major banks and they said that uh, on, on average commodities can go up another 30 40% because it's still undervalued in their opinion and if you look at the equities related to commodities if you look at the, the gold miners and silver miners they're still trading um well well below averages which we've seen in the last decades so uh, they're not trading at rock bottom prices and valuations anymore, but it's close to the bottom. And there's still a huge way um, a, a, a huge way to, uh, to, to go back to the mean. Uh, reverse to the mean is to be expected. And I think we, we all know how uh, commodity markets trade. If the equities start to run, you'll have these amazing runs, which will bring returns of 100% in a year that's easy. Possible, especially in the junior space.
0: Great. Um, do you have any further market predictions you'd like to share with us today, Willem?
1: Well, we didn't touch on uranium, but I think uranium is very interesting because everything we discussed, the geopolitical side, the energy side, the shortages, is all playing into the hands of, of uh, uranium investors. It's a very small market. Uh, almost 10% of our fund is invested in uranium. And I think uranium will do very well. And uh, especially, we always had a large position in NextGen Energy being the best uranium discovery of the last, uh, well, I think 10 to 20 years. And uh, um, it, uh, NextGen Energy is, is is in the developing stage of, of that project. And it won't be long before that they will be taken out, I think.
0: Great. Um, anything further than uranium for
1: the markets? Um, we we touched um, briefly on silver, but I, I think silver is overlooked. Um, um, everything I said about gold is also, uh, well, silver is poor man's gold. So uh, they go uh, hand in hand and often um, you see silver Uh, gaining much more much faster once the boom market becomes more mature so i think silver has a lot of catch-up to do and if you look at the graphs we're recording this uh, april 19th Uh, we see a breakout in silver in the silver equity so i think that there's quite a, a good bet now
0: great and willem if my listeners wanted to find more or hear more from you where would they find you
1: They find me on Twitter. So uh, Google my name and they can find more information about our funds, the Multi-Discovery Funds. We're also open for Canadian investors and, and American investors.
0: Awesome. Thank you so
1: much. Thank you. If you enjoy my content, do me a favor. Follow or subscribe to this podcast. Drop me a rating and a review and share this with a friend. All of these things allow me to get bigger and better guests on the show. Now you can catch me all over social media at jmartinbc. Thanks for tuning in.